0: Welcome in everybody and happy holidays to you all. Thank you for joining us here on episode two of the natural history of cannabis here on the cannabis 101 podcast. And I'm joined by a territory manager of natural history, cannabis, Chris Iinson, my good friend. You know, I was thinking Chris, um, happy holidays to you. And at this time last two years, you and I were busy doing the, uh, 12 cultivars of Christmas and, that was uh I remember a massive amount of work, but so much fun and and I kind of miss it this year,
1: <laughs> yeah yeah, totally man uh me too and and, and thanks for having me on Dino. Uh it's great to be here, buddy uh yeah, that twelve cultivars of Christmas that was a lot of fun for sure,
0: <laughs> yeah, it was neat, uh you know, it was neat finding out the the cultivars that you really uh are passionate about and the ones that i uh, had been able to um, explore during uh, our show, so it was a, a lot of fun, um, and and maybe it'll come back someday. We'll see about that. But uh, here on the Natural History of Cannabis, we are doing a, exploring exactly that—the uh, natural history. Uh, when when our first episode aired a couple of weeks ago, we kind of gave just like an overview history of you know the the earliest days until where we are now, and and the cool thing about this, um, you know episodes as they'll evolve is we're going to really look at some of, um, you know, the early pioneers of the cannabis space. And, and, you know, we're talking a lot about these people pre-legalization, seeing as the legalization history of of cannabis is pretty short. It's in Canada and it's about three years. But let's talk about our our natural history subject for today, because, Chris, this is uh, in some circles a controversial one. (laughs)
1: <laughs> it is Dino. It is. Uh, yeah. Some, some say uh, he's a legend. Uh, uh, some say he was a DEA informant uh, playing the system. Uh, so what we're going to talk about today, Dino, uh, it's Sam the Skunk Man and his suitcase of seeds. Uh, it's a really cool story. Uh, so uh, born in the USA uh, as David Paul Watson, um, he was AKA Sam the Skunk Man, Sam Selesny, or Magic Sam. Uh, he was a botanist and a cannabis breeder uh, in the 1970s in California. Um, he is said to be one of the reasons we have such vast genetics in the cannabis world and we'll get into that shortly. Uh, and he's also said to have played a part in creating the High Times Cannabis Cup, uh, so the story goes. So um, Sam was a part of numerous harvest festivals in California and he did share his stories with Cannabis Cup creator Stephen Hagar, uh, who is a legendary cannabis advocate and uh, journalist, uh, former editor of the High Times uh, in Amsterdam. They shared stories about it and and Stephen went on to uh, to produce the ca- cannabis cups uh, which went on to be just globally legendary uh, now some folks some paranoid internet trolls have twisted the story and said that Sam was insistent on uh, on a cannabis cup being created so that DEA could track every cannabis cultivar and grower uh, and this is not true according to Stephen Hager so, uh, yeah,
0: the, you know what and and I we we should uh, obviously point out that this cannabis history was at a time where there was a war on drugs and smoking pot could get you a life sentence in some places and so... There is going to be some discrepancies. There's going to be some people that say it happened this way, but it's not like there was Wikipedia back then or even anything else that could, you could just go on and log onto the internet and look at it. So, you know, in general, Chris, I think cannabis history can be at times a little bit murky. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah murky's a great word for it yeah definitely you'll you'll hear kind of three or four different stories and they kind of have similarities but there's it's twists in it uh, and it's kind of like yeah, playing the game telephone where um you know you, the more times the story gets told the more kind of twists there is to it yeah. uh so yeah it's uh it's it's wild but you know what i i feel like Stephen hager uh kind of chiming in on that um you know that's kind of coming from one of the sources, so I always like to look for uh, multiple sources. You know when I'm when I'm doing my research.
0: Yeah, it is a good point. And by the way, that telephone game when you add in a weed at a party with adults is a lot of fun. Like I'm telling you, like the story that starts to finish is you know you're 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 basically Kaiser Sose just making stuff up when you see it. By the time it gets to that point, so I would highly recommend the telephone game. After first of all, make a joint circle. Get that joint going around and then play the telephone game. It's, it's a lot of fun. So how does our story today get started?
1: So yeah, you know it, uh, it starts in, uh, in Santa Cruz, California in the late 1970s, uh, where Dave Watson and his longtime friend uh, and botanist, uh, Robert Clark, really began experimenting and breeding uh, with cannabis. And they did a lot of botany projects associated with cannabis and wrote some articles and some books. Uh, Dave Watson actually wrote under the pen name, ooh, I'm not going to get this right, uh, Selginage. Uh, mm-hmm. Oof, that was terrible. <laughs> uh, it's a bunch of consonants. There, you know, a couple of elves in there. It's Sel Nick. Um, and he focused on, on sharing education on how to grow and breed cannabis. Uh, and so these guys. Uh were really focused on and then really cared about the genetic side of things and they actually conducted some uh some breeding projects to help preserve a number of the skunk varieties uh like the number one the early pearl and the haze uh and so they were collecting genetics uh all the best genetics they could find So they met with cannabis legends mel frank and ed rosenthal and then mel hooked watson up with uh with durbin poison and the afghan number one seeds
0: wow I mean listen this is this is part of why I really loved uh you know know your buds or when we started what's what's that strain is the 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 history of where things came and to you know like when when you're talking about you know we've always uh never been able to do it, but when you're talking about some of the candidates for the Mount Rushmore of of cannabis, I mean, those skunk varieties are are so very popular and have been around, obviously, for a long time. I mean, it's just great to start finding out, you know, where some of those legendary cultivars that we know, like Afghani, Durban Poison, you know, who created them, how they started. I think that's kind of the coolest thing um, to do that. And then... You know th- there's a there's a real cool part of this story because it's like a holy mission to save weed so not only do we got crazy amazing legendary uh cultivars that we love the backstory is even better than the actual cultivars if that's possible
1: <laughs> yeah yeah it is do <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Watson, he, he did some work with uh, the Sacred Seeds Collective in the mid-1980s, uh, and, and this is kind of where, where the story gets a little bit uh, wishy-washy, and, and there's a, a lot of people have chimed in, but there, were, there was a DEA bust of, of a Sacred Seeds grow-up in Santa Cruz, uh, and everybody involved ended up going to the police station, being charged. Uh, somehow within a, a couple of hours, uh, Dave Watson ended up being released uh, way before anybody else involved was, and he was, he was on his way. Um, and when they had done the bust, the uh, DEA had thrown all the growing equipment, all the seeds, the stored pollen, um, whole plants into into a dumpster, uh, and, and left that dumpster guarded by some crime scene tape. And that was that was just it. Uh, and apparently, the lighting was even placed down delicately so it would not be broken. So uh, you know, one would think the police would be trashing this equipment so that it doesn't get used again. Uh, but they didn't. It was placed really neatly into the dumpster. And uh, Dave Watson he left the police station and went straight back to that grow op uh, and and loaded up uh, all that all that equipment uh, and and used it for his next grow op. So it kind of seems a little fishy there. Uh, everyone gets busted and for whatever reason, uh, he, he gets out.
0: <laughs> so here's the one, uh, I'm going to play devil's advocate for just for a second uh, before, you know, we get to, you know, what we're, we're kind of like thinking here. I, I read, um, from a cannabis lawyer, uh, and a, a cannabis advocate, and he was just giving advice that if you were at a, uh, you know, um, uh, dispensary and they, you get yep. busted and you don't say anything. Like you just you just cl- put tape over your mouth. Whatever question they ask you, you will get released because they cannot cannot prove if you're working there, if you just stopped in to use the bathroom or whatever. The people that are like, oh, I just volunteer. Uh, they, uh, yeah, you just admitted whatever. So all okay. I'm saying is is maybe maybe he just was really quiet and maybe he knew that, or maybe he was a DEA informant, which is what a lot of people think. Yeah. Yeah, I mean,
1: <laughs> totally.
0: Um, but who yeah. knows, right? Like, you know, it 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 does sound very convenient, but who knows? It does yeah. sound very convenient when, you know, you talk about the fact that he could get all that equipment and all those seeds, which, you know, on one hand we should be very grateful for. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Totally, man. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, going kind of back to, back to the story here. Um, he went and picked up all that equipment. Um, started another grow up. Uh, However, within a month of that, that original bust, uh, Dave Watson, he, he found himself on a plane to Amsterdam, uh, with a box in his suitcase containing over 250,000 cannabis seeds. Hmm. Uh, that's a big number, quarter of a million seeds. Uh, and some of the genetics there, skunk number one, the haze, Hindu Kush, Afghani Durban. So legendary cultivars being brought over, uh, on the plane. And I guess they were, I'm sure the x ray of, of luggage back then wasn't as big a thing as we've got now. Uh, yeah, i <laughs> guess sure that wouldn't have made it. You know, <laughs> yeah. although
0: if, you know, if you ever watched, uh, and, and I try to do as much cannabis research as I can do extensively. So I watched Up and Smoke a lot and they say in Up and Smoke, you can't get busted for seeds. And I'm going to trust Cheech and Chong on, on cannabis laws on that one.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 it's what they say is gospel. Yeah, yeah. exactly, but
0: you're right, I, you know, it's I, I, I just would be very nervous knowing I had a quarter of a million cannabis seeds on a plane, but obviously he was a little bit more of a cool customer, because he got there.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. He made it. Uh, Yeah, so he arrived in Amsterdam uh, under his new alias, uh, Sam Selesny, uh, which was aka Sam the Skunkman. And he was picked up at the uh, Schiphol airport in Amsterdam. Um, I've been there myself. Uh, And he was picked up by uh, uh, Michael Taylor and Wernard Bruining. And they they were the the owners of Amsterdam's first coffee shop, uh, Mellow Yellow. So they picked him up at the airport. Obviously, they (laughs) <laughs> has some some business to take care of um and uh, and through this, Sam was then introduced to cannabis breeding legend uh, Neville Show and Makers, uh, and uh, all those seeds were sold. A lot of you know business transactions took place, and uh, and this is where we started to see a lot of experimentation with new genetics um, that were brought over to Europe from North America. So, and and this is
0: kind of an interesting, you know, we're we're, we're kind of looking at the overall picture of of who Sam the Skunk Man is, but also this is where um the that you know reputation and the amount of great cultivars started coming out of Amsterdam for the the fact that all these seeds came over, you get Neville involved, you get all these people that have the coffee shop. It's like the perfect storm for flooding the rest of the world with amazing cultivars and it all comes out of a place that is so misunderstood in that everybody thinks weed is legal in amsterdam when it's really not it's you know decriminalized and you can you can go to a coffee shop, but you're not really allowed to walk around. Well, you have been there. You can explain uh, what, those, what those coffee shops are. And, you know, I don't think we'll ever get to a point here in Canada where you and I can go and smoke a joint in a coffee shop, but maybe an edible or a drink would be really nice.
1: Uh, I, I hope we get to it here in Canada. I don't know. I, that would be great. Uh, yeah, know, my experience in, in Amsterdam, uh, the coffee shops, yeah, you go into the coffee shops, you can get a coffee, buy some weed they've got a menu of of dope to take a look at and kind of pick and choose and there's a you know space cake I think they've only got a couple of edible options that are legal I think it's um, space cake and and a couple more and that's that's all you're kind of allowed to do with the edible side Um, but a lot of different cannabis cultivars to smoke Um, yes my very first time though we walked in we uh, met our bud tender you know got to know him we told him we were from Canada and that we you know, heavy smokers. uh, And as we were talking to him, he just rolled up a joint, uh, lit it and passed it over to us. And we had a, we had a sesh there right inside the coffee shop. Uh, It was amazing. Um, However, you're not supposed to take your joints outside. Mm -hmm. Uh, You keep them in the coffee shop. But we did notice, you know, when we were walking through Amsterdam and I I would always have my backpack full of of cannabis uh, because we would always load up for the evening. Uh, But I'd always smell it. You'd always, there'd be, you know, a local or, you know, someone who just, didn't care would be just kind of walking fast smoking it but you you would get whiffs of it here and there
0: you know the weird thing is and about from what i've been told from you know people like you and and other people and what i've read is in amsterdam cafes are allowed to sell cannabis inside that cafe getting it into that cafe is illegal So when the van pulls up behind the cafe, they got to rush it to get in there just in case somebody came by. And once it's in there, it's like the, the, you know, the, the, neutral zone right you're you're allowed you're the safe zone Uh, but getting it in there is is so it's so bizarre and so misunderstood so i'm so glad we have cannabis can you imagine when you were at like plant life and the van pulls up you gotta rush your order in once it's in the store you're okay like what a weird system
1: yeah, that would be bizarre. I mean, even like the early days of, of legalization here in Canada where we didn't have those big master cases where you know you'd get four or five master cases and that would be it but we would be counting Five, six hundred individual units outside. It's like that just that just wouldn't fly in in Amsterdam. Yeah,
0: yeah, and or in northern Alberta uh, in uh, December, January, six months, seven months of the year. So okay, let's get back to Amsterdam and uh, how was life in uh, Weed Paradise uh, for Sam?
1: Yeah, so definitely, uh, after a few years living it up, meeting all kinds of uh, you know influencers in the cannabis space and and growers, uh, uh, Sam had secured the only license to study medicinal cannabis in Holland uh, through through the help of his friends. Uh, you know, some say uh, from the uh, DEA allegedly. Um, you know, and that also led to a uh, deal with uh, GW Pharma uh, and the pharmaceutical powerhouse Bayer. Uh, I think that was when there was some synthesis uh, synthesis. Synth- a synthetic uh, THC capsules mm-hmm. back uh, back from Bayer back in the day there. Um- so he, he, Sam's always seemed to have excellent ties to you know these larger corporate agencies, which you know always made the cannabis folks suspicious. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and even uh, Arie Roskam, uh, the king of cannabis, the founder of Greenhouse Seeds uh, in Amsterdam, uh, he'd come across uh, a report uh, from Mario Lapp who worked for the Dutch Alcohol and Drugs Institute. And in this report, it showed that Sam the Skunk Man was in fact Dave Watson, when he had been involved in. In a, in a drug bust in Santa Cruz the month that he flew out to Amsterdam uh, and never got charged. So it was uh, kind of news that Sam was trying to keep from all his new European friends. So uh, once that news kind of came out, um, there was some distrust and uh, and the, the story goes they ended up making a move to UK to promote the skunk there, uh, eventually making it back to the USA. And uh, yeah, and the cool thing about the skunk number one, Cultivar Trudino, is uh, it's the f- world's first commercial hybrid uh, created. Uh, so it's the genetic cross of Afghani Indica, uh, Mexican Sativa, and a Colombian Gold Sativa, and it went on to win the 1988 Cannabis Cup. So it's a legend way back then.
0: So it's it's considered the first hybrid.
1: <clears throat> yeah, the first commercial. Uh, yeah, the first commercial hybrid created. Wow. So it's the one that yeah, the first one that was kind of viably put out in the market, uh, sold, seeds were produced,
0: right? Uh, and, yeah, and now you know, like you know, there's probably more <laughs> hybrids than anything else, and even the ones that you know we classify as sativa and indica. Um, you know, there's you know, if you could ever find that, uh, you know, I always think of that scene in the pulp fiction where they open the briefcase and you're it's that gold, <laughs> you know, I always envision that su- suitcase. Uh, is not uh, Marcellus Wallace's soul. It's all the original seeds. Cause remember, what's his name went to Amsterdam. So Vincent Vega went to Amsterdam. So I'm thinking in that briefcase is all the original untouched pure seeds. That that's what I would love to see at some Ooh. point. Because, you know, a lot of things get is, is so crossed now that there's you you can't find something that is, you know, rarely can you find something that is absolutely pure sativa or indica.
1: Yeah, it's it's so rare. I I feel like everything's a, a hybrid. Uh, you know, you get a lot of folks coming into stores, you know, saying, I I don't do indicas, they just put me to bed. It's well it all depends
0: there. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and I, yeah. I, for some, like for me, I, I don't do very well with high THC sativas, but that doesn't mean I throw everything that's classified as a sativa out. I mean, Blue Dream is one of my favorites, and many places call, call that a sativa. Well, I think it's, I look at it more as a bit of a hybrid, but that's, you know, because everybody's different, right? Some sativas put people to sleep, some indicas get people wired.
1: Yeah, and everyone's unique and different. We all have our different biologies, our different endocannabinoid systems. Yeah, we're all unique snowflakes.
0: Yeah, and that's why you know, I love um, you know, looking for things with specific terpenes or or specific cannabinoids uh, that we're learning so much more and will be learning so much more. You know, we focus on THC, we focus on CBD, but CBG, we've talked about. CBC is out there, not the network, the terpene Uh, and then, you know, the, the different, you know, I, I am just absolutely loving the amount of, uh, CBD carts and products that are out there because I'm, I'm just in love with CBD during the day. And then I look forward to my THC when I get all my, my stuff done. So I I really love that and, and, and the amount of the, uh. The amount of products that 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 help that so everybody is different and we also evolve as as we get a little bit older and different and more experienced. So, the one thing we should say is that listen, uh, there, we told some kind of funny stories and there's some suspicious stories. But you know, Sam the Skunk Man, Sam the Sleaze Man, Sam Selesny, Dave Watson, whatever name you want to call him, he is whatever you think responsible in some way for some of the most amazing cultivars past and present.
1: Yeah, legit. He is a cannabis legend and he's worth talking about on our show. He's worth a salute. Uh, Mad props to Dave Watson Sam the skunk man.
0: You know, like the worst person in the world could could create a cure for the common cold and people would still be grateful. They might be thinking that guy is still a jerk, but hey, he created the cure for the common cold. And I'm not saying that Dave did that, but we should salute Dave for the amount of cultivars that we get to enjoy uh, today. So I I certainly am, uh, you know, whether you think he was a snitch and I'm not going to, I don't, I don't have the proof to say he was or he wasn't. But I do know that some of the great cultivars we have come from that. That part of the natural history of cannabis. Speaking of that, um, you had uh, been talking about those meat breath pre-rolls a while ago. Um, And uh, what do you what are you liking right now uh, from the natural history uh, lineup?
1: Yeah, so Meat Breath Pre-Rolls, definitely. I've uh, yeah, had a couple today already. Um, they are awesome. Uh, it's just one of my, one of my go-to cultivars uh, for what I'm looking for with my cannabis. It's got a nice spicy flavor to it. Mm-hmm. Makes the eyelids nice and heavy. Uh, the couch feels great. Um, it's got yeah, a distinct we-
0: taste. Like Meat Breath is a uh, smell, and, and it's really uh, unique. In a good way.
1: Yeah. Like it's yeah, not, it's absolutely. not run
0: of the mill cannabis that you're going to really smell in a lot of paces. It's, it's a, it's a, a heavy smeller. I think uh, in my opinion, the ones that I've had.
1: It, it is. And, and I find too that like heavy smokers and cannabis sewers, people out there that kind of know good weed, uh, no meat breath, respect mm-hmm. meat breath, uh, we'll smoke it even if it comes in at a lower THC. Uh, I actually, I got to meet, I, I toured a facility a couple of weeks back, uh, Alberta Bud, uh, and, and the, the two owners, they've been growing meat breath, uh, for I think over a decade, uh, like quite a while. And they actually had their meat breath, breath featured in Remo's calendar on mm-hmm. the December month. So I was like, uh, I, I had to make sure to, uh, to show them our meat breath and, uh, it was It was awesome to kind of have a little meat breast chat with the boys there um yeah but uh, uh, nice. i I think yeah, I think uh, uh a new product that's kind of worth talking about we've got a ten gram uh milled flour uh that's coming through with a really good price point uh we're calling it shredded lettuce uh-huh. uh. And it's uh, very competitive pricing, high quality bud, and uh, like I, I'm soaked to kind of see it on the market. All, all the stores that I've talked to have kind of pumped to see that come through because it's gonna it's gonna work for. There's a demographic of folks coming into stores that are looking for this shredded stuff. It's you know you don't have to grind it up. It's ready to go, ready to roll. Uh, and and I've suggested, and I keep trying to bring this up to folks. I want us to do a, a milled option within Natural History where we take our LA Kush cake and we take our meat breath, we mill them together. And we call it beefcake. I
0: think
1: that, <laughs> I think that would be awesome. The name's great. and Those are two great cultivars, and I actually do do that in my grinder. I'll take a nug of each and throw them in and grind it up and roll up a, a beefcake joint, and it's uh, it's super nice.
0: I've I've done that in the past with uh, Blue Dream and and Hawaii. Hawaiian and, and you have a blue Hawaiian or something like that, but when you, yeah. you know I, I don't do as much of the swamp water as I used to. you know, I had to have that jar where at the end of the night if you're if you're having something that you're not going to use the next day, you throw it in the jar and then you you do the swamp water joint i I don't do that as much, but I used to do that, but I like the I think the milled flour is excellent, I, especially if you're travelling right you're traveling, you don't want to take as much oh, yeah. all you need is papers or cones. You know, and a and a something to load it with, and then away you go. Right, you're you're good. You don't have to bring your grinder, depending on where you're going. If you're going something where a grinder is going to stick out, it's perfect. Or if you just don't like grinding, you can load bowls all the time. I mean, that thing is perfect for a volcano or a bong. You just have you know yeah. it's it's already there. So I you know I I think they that 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 sort of uh, type of product is awesome. Like, I think that is really, really uh, handy for a lot of people. So I like that. You. you mm-hmm. What about Tallyman? Tell me about uh, oh, Tallyman yeah. being back because it was, you know, people were asking for it.
1: Yes, uh, yeah, Tallyman, yeah, for sure. So we had a a quick uh, drop of Tallyman a few months back. Um, only a small amount came out to Alberta. It's a genetic cross of uh, banana, dosi, dough, and papaya. Uh, it's it's delicious and smooth. Uh, it's one of my. It you know I thought Ellie Kushcake was like my my jam. My go to Tallyman uh, is definitely. Right up there. So is the meat breath. It's kind of like a three way tie for me. Uh, but I love the tally man. Uh, and the stuff that we've got, you know, it, it's almost 27% THC and almost, uh, you know, two and a half percent turps. So it's a turkey bag of kind of fruity, fruity dank goodness. Uh, and it's a really fun high. Um, so that, and it's a budtender favorite too. Like all the butt tenders that I talked to about it, you know, I was getting high fives in the stores and I'm like, Cool. I, I didn't grow it, but right on. Yeah, it is good weed. So uh, yeah, we're stoked to see the Tallyman come back uh, and we're going to see it come in pre-rolls too. Uh, so that'll be pretty awesome. I think it'll be really nice in a, in a vape cart too. So I hope we can get it in, into our, uh, our Terp sauce carts as well.
0: Indeed. Well, I will definitely be looking for that. I have to head to uh, plant life uh, here, either Jensen lakes or Aaron Ridge, or maybe both. I might just pop into both because I enjoy the bud tenders so much and, and just first of all, wish them a, a great holiday season, but also uh, pick up some great stuff. I, you know, I've got a road trip. Uh, I've got to head back. I'm going to be staying at my dad's house. So it's not like I'm going to be smoking joints inside. Uh, so I've stocked up on carts uh, because that's going to be the way to, the way to go. Uh, so I'll be uh, I'll have to look for uh, some tally man when I pop into uh, Jensen Lakes or uh, Aaron Ridge Plant Life before I head on my trip. But I always good try to stock up on something like the the summertime. I went in there and Trish actually Trish went in and they just they they, they just have to say Dean and they know because I'm in there so much. But she grabbed the cookie jar for me in the summer. That was the perfect thing for that type of road trip when we were driving and I could stop and get out and have a quick joint. This time we're taking the train. I'm not going to be able to stop and just have a joint in any time. And uh, uh, I won't even be able to use the cart on the train, but I'll, you know, quick, quick stop, get off, use the, the cart and jump back on instead of lighting a joint or being at my dad's. So I, I I, think it's you, you should always be prepared. You should certainly respect where you're going. You know, I'm not going to go there and smoke joints in my dad's house. He doesn't smoke. So you respect where you're going and, and the rules of the province that you're going to as well. So um, that's what I do, my trip research. And then I stop in and grab all the products I can at plant life.
1: Amen. That's, that's perfect. Ben. yeah, you are prep for your trip and depending on what your trip is, you kind of plan accordingly. I love it.
0: Yeah. I think people should be, uh, if you enjoy cannabis in your life, why shouldn't you enjoy it on your, your vacations, business trips, whatever, as long as you're not doing it when you should be working or, you know, being responsible, uh, just make sure, because listen, Provinces are different. You know, not that you're going to be growing on a trip, but you can't grow at home in Manitoba. I don't think pre-rolls or, or vapes are allowed in Quebec. So different provinces have different rules. So it's always smart to know the cannabis laws before you get there instead of pleading ignorance after you get busted for something that you could do it at your own home. It's like going to the States, right? You know, you wouldn't travel yeah. with cannabis when you go to the States, but you should check into the local laws, in my opinion, uh, of, the, of the provincial because all the regulations are a little bit different.
1: Yeah, man. Yeah, I love that. That's, uh, <laughs> that's a great tip. All serious tip
0: right on there. you, eh? Like I'm a gentleman. Yeah. Like a teacher now or something like that.
1: All right, and after after school special. Uh, that's
0: right, that's right. But it's talking about smoke pot, though. If you're an adult, in- instead of don't do drugs, like those ones. Uh, you know, listen. <laughs> yeah. If you're if you're underage, you're still developing. Stay away from the weed. Uh, if you're an adult and and you like the weed, smoke the weed. That's what I say. Like you know, do what you do what you want as your adult, as long as you're responsible. Okay, man, Agreed. this has been awesome. I, I'm loving these. Uh, Sam the Skunk Man, uh, you know, mm-hmm. the legendary. Throw some of those cultivars out that this guy was, respons- you know, had a hand in, as the legend goes. Throw some of those names down again because these are some big, big names.
1: Yeah, skunk number one, uh, the haze, like the haze, uh, early pearl, uh, Afghani number one, uh, Durban poison, like he helped to kind of get those into the mainstream of cannabis. And, and had he not, they might have gone away. They might have not made it out of the states. They might have kind of just, uh, folks stop growing them and then we don't see them or hear from them. So, um, due to him, we've got all these amazing cultivars and, and also all the kind of, um, the children of of those as well and all the other genetics that came from those. Like it's, it's legendary.
0: Yeah. Like I love blue dream. He came up with haze. Like there it is right there.
1: Yep. Yep. I love it
0: <laughs> sam the skunk man uh, discussed today on the natural history of cannabis uh, with chris ianson territory manager for natural history chris this has been awesome i uh, can't wait to do it again in a couple of weeks uh, make sure uh, you and your family have a wonderful holiday season get some rest stay warm and uh, we will talk very soon again i can't wait to find out more about the natural history of cannabis
1: Right on, Dino. Uh, Thanks for having me, buddy. And uh, yeah, uh, happy holidays to you and the family too, man. Mm